Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. Welcome to Interject Renewable Energy 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call and Webcast. Bienvenue à la conférence téléphonique et à la web diffusion des résultats du deuxième trimestre 2021 d'Energex Énergie Renouvelable. At this time, all participants on the phone and internet are in listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session for analysts and institutional investors. And instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone has any difficulties during the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded. I will now turn the conference over to Karine Vachon, Senior Director of Communications. Please go ahead. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'd like to certify that this conference will be held in English. Members of the media are invited to ask their questions by phone after this call. A presentation supporting today's discussion is available as we speak on the homepage of our website at www.interject.com. This call contains forward-looking statements within the meeting of circuitous laws, although the corporation believes that the expectations and assumptions on which forward-looking statements are based are reasonable under the current circumstances. Listeners are cautioned not to rely unduly on these forward-looking statements, as no assurance can be given that it will prove to be correct. Forward-looking information contained herein is made as at the date of this call, and the corporation does not undertake any obligation to update or revise any forward-looking information, whether as a result of events or circumstances occurring after the date hereof, unless so required by law. During this call, we will refer to financial measures that are not recognized according to international financial reporting standards. Please refer to the non-EFRS measures section of the MDNE for more information. Our speakers today will be Mr. Jean-François Nau, Chief Financial Officer, who will present Q2 results, and Mr. Michel Letelier, President and Chief Executive Officer, who will review our operational highlights. I now turn the conference over to Mr. Nau. Merci, Karine. Good morning, everyone. Before I present the financial results, I want to provide you an update following the February 21 Texas event. The flat top and Shannon facilities have been excluded from our result from April 1st and onwards due to the project asset and liabilities being classified as disposal groups held for sale. Therefore, the balance sheet values remain at zero and no result have been recorded while we have removed them from our number of operating facilities. As for Phoebe, we have reached an agreement after the end of the quarter to settle the amount that remained unpaid. We have disbursed 24 million US dollars representing the net amount of these three elements. The agreed upon settlement on the disputed amount, the payment on the project tracking account, minus the unpaid energy sold during the negotiation process. Therefore, we consider 
the February 21, 2021 Texas event and PACs to be concluded. On page eight, our second quarter results posted growth over the same period last year, mostly due to a higher contribution from hydro facilities in BC and the contribution of the Salvador and Montaner acquisitions completed in May and July last year. Revenues proportionate and adjusted EBITDA proportionate were up by 3% and 4% respectively. For the quarter ended June 30, 2021, production and revenues were up 10% and 13% respectively compared to the same quarter last year. Adjusted EBITDA was up by 16%. This increase was mainly attributable to a higher contribution from the facilities in BC because of higher production in 2021, whereas the 2020 figures were negatively impacted by the BC hydro curtailment. The increase is also attributable to the contribution of the Montaner and Salvador acquisitions. A higher contribution from the wind facilities in France and the ramp up of production at the Hillcrest Solar Facility that have reached its PPA commercial operation on May 11th. The increase was partially offset by a lower contribution from the Quebec Wind facilities and by higher general administrative expense and prospective expense. On page nine, for the three month ended June 30th, 2021, hydroelectric power generation segment generated $63 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 21% increase compared to the same quarter last year, due to a higher contribution from the facilities in British Columbia. This increase was partly upset by lower average selling price at some facility in British Columbia and in Quebec. The wind power generation segment generated $57.6 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 3% increase compared to the same quarter last year. This increase is mainly due to the Montaner acquisition and to a higher contribution from the facilities in France explained by higher revenues from higher production. These items were partly offset by lower contribution from the Quebec facilities explained by lower revenues from lower production and by a lower contribution from Fort City facility due to lower revenue. The solar power generation segment generated $19.4 million in adjusted EBITDA, representing a 71% increase compared to the same quarter last year. This increase is mainly explained by the ramp up of production at the Hillcrest Solar Facility in Ohio and by the contribution of the Salvador acquisition in May 2020. The increase is also explained by higher contribution from the Phoebe Solar Facility attributable to higher revenues from higher average selling price despite a lower generation. On page 10, for the quarter ended June 30th, 2021, the joint ventures and associates contributed $13.8 million to adjusted EBITDA proportionate compared with a contribution of $15.2 million in the same quarter that last year. 
The decrease in the hydro segment was mainly due to the lower revenue from the Humbata Falls facility and higher operating expenses in Chile. This decrease was partly offset by a higher contribution from Jimmy Creek facility due to higher revenues from higher production compared to 2020 figures that included the impact of the BC hydro curtailment. In the wind segment, the decrease is explained by a lower contribution from Doki facility due to lower revenues and higher operating expense, and the lower revenue from Vigée de Noville facility. The decrease is also attributable to the exclusion of the result from the Flaptop and Shannon joint ventures facility from April 1st, 2021 onwards, as mentioned before. In addition, the proportionate PTCs production tax credit decreased from $19.4 million to $9.5 million was due to the exclusion of the results from Flaptop and Shannon. This decrease is also attributable to a lower PTCs earned at the Fort City facility due to lower production. Continuing on page 11, compared to December 31, 2020, the increase in long-term debt is related largely to the draws made toward the construction of Griffin Trail project. In addition, the corporate revolver credit facility was used for reimbursing the outstanding balance of the Altera term loan on January 11, 2021. On page 12, compared to December 31, 2020, changes in the total assets results largely from the share of loss in joint ventures and associate due mainly to the February 2021 Texas event and the impairment loss at the Shannon and Flaptop facility. Changes in total liabilities stem mainly from the decrease in derivative financial instruments due to a general upward shift in interest rate curves, which were partly offset by an increase in long-term debt. The change in shareholder equity is explained by the total comprehensive loss of $139.8 million, the dividends declared on common and preferred shares totaling $65.7 million, and by the $11.6 million in distribution to non-controlling interest. As shown on the next page, the normalized free cash flow has increased by $18.6 million on a trailing 12-month basis. This increase in free cash flow was due mainly to the contribution of the Salvador and Montaner acquisition achieved during mid-2020 and from the Hillcrest facility, which started delivering energy during the second quarter of 2021. A decrease in interest payments on the corporate revolving credit facility concurrent with the Hydro-Quebec private placement in February 2020 and a decrease in interest payments related to the Altera loan reimbursement in full in January 2021. Also, an increase in revenue from the facilities affected by the BC Hydro imposed curtailment, which mainly impacted the second quarter of last year. And an increase in distribution from joint ventures and associates, primarily due to a distribution received from Energy Lima in the second quarter of 2021, ahead of the closing of the transaction.
These items were partly offset by an increase in debt principal payments stemming from the Phoebe and Fort City facilities commissioned in late 2019 and from the Montenegro acquisition in July 2020. An increase in free cash flow attributed to non-controlling interest stemming mainly from the Montenegro acquisition and a decrease in cash flow from operating activities before change in non-cash operating working caps from the Phoebe facility commission in late 2019 due mostly to an unfavorable difference between sales at the Phoebe node and purchase at the Aircut South Hub compared with a favorable difference in the comparative period. For the trading 12 month and the June 30th, 2021, the normalized payout ratio amounted to 136% of free cash flow compared with 150% for the corresponding period last year. On that note, I will give the floor to Michel for the operational review of the past quarter. Thank you. Thank you, Jean-François. Merci beaucoup. Good morning, everybody. Uh, busy, busy uh, subsequent event. Uh, we have been quite active uh, lately. Um, we, You have seen that we have completed the acquisition of AIMA in Chile, so we now own 100% of the of uh, the um, uh, the activities in in Chile. We uh, we did that in a sense that uh, we uh, we like what we were seeing in Chile. We have now been there for almost three years. Uh, got to know the management, got to know also the lay of the land, and uh, I must say that uh, we have now. Uh, a good team in order to continue the development and also some M&A activity. Uh, as you've seen, also we we've made this uh, little acquisition, Lecan, uh, not a big acquisition. And for uh, some of you that uh, have questioned perhaps the price or the multiple of uh, EV over EBITDA, uh, we have been quite conservative in the next uh, few years in terms of uh, merchant uh, pricing. Um, these uh, these forecasts uh, are using something around $35 per megawatt hour. Uh, as we speak, the spot market in uh, in Chile is in the range of $100-115 per megawatt hour. So there is uh, some volatility in that market. I think that uh, on the long range, uh, price will uh, uh, go forward in in uh, perhaps stabilizing around 50 to 60. Uh, dollar per megawatt hour. The reason behind uh, this and the reason why we are bullish on, on Chile, as I mentioned in the past, is the fact that um, Chile doesn't have any fossil fuel uh, in uh, its, uh, its territory. They rely on import, uh, especially uh, natural gas and also coal. Now, coal has been um, um, targeted by government agencies to be uh, shut down. Uh, initially, they were talking to shut it down by 2035. Now, there is a lot of rumors uh, in the Congress to uh, pass a law to speed up this um, to 2025, which is big because, uh, you know, in Chile, almost 30% of their uh, production comes with uh, with coal. So that's why we're bullish in, in a sense that we think that uh, having coal being removed will actually bring the mer uh, the the, uh, the merchant pricing or even the PPA uh, opportunity 
uh, to a higher level, and uh, we want uh, we want to be there. We want to increase our presence in Chile in the sense that we want to have more diversified portfolio uh, with uh, solar, uh, hydro, and potentially some wind as well. If we uh, if we go also, we quite a great news. Uh, Great uh, team effort for the full commissioning of Griffin Trail uh, on time and on, on budget. So very happy to uh, report that uh, now we will be uh, producing and potentially taking advantage of uh, the good pricing in Texas in summertime. Uh, this facility is merchant for the time being. Uh, we would love to have a structure like Fort City where we would have a as-produced PPA for the majority of the output and then uh, stay exposed on uh, some of the volume uh, into the uh, spot market to take advantage of the uh, volatility in Texas. Um, it's also a, um, it's showing our strategy to go uh, away from these uh, financial uh, instruments, the um, power hedge, which, if you remember, creates such uh, uh, a liability for us in, uh, in uh, last, uh, last winter. Uh, so I think that uh, Griffin Trail will give us some natural hedge uh, against potential problems with CB with the with the uh, ongoing um, uh, power edge. We will uh, try to get out of uh, of that arrangement, as we said earlier on. But right now, Texas is a little bit busy. Uh, there's a lot of activities regarding these power hedges. Uh, so we will be patient, and now that we have uh, Griffin Trail fully merchant, I think we're well protected uh, for future event. Uh, also, uh, unfortunately, you have all seen uh, the uh, fire in uh, in BC. Uh, you've seen also the sad story about the little town Lytton. Lytton is a small town close to Kayik, our facility. Now, unfortunately, that uh, fire has grown and is now affecting some portion of our transmission line. Um, we expect uh, most of the costs be covered by insurance, uh, but it's uh, a little bit too uh, early to um, to quantify the uh, the amount of uh, uh, work that we'll have uh, to do. But the team are getting busy to have all the spare part being delivered on site and uh, we will uh, assess the um, the um, the damage uh, as the, the the fire recedes uh, eventually uh construction activities we've been quite active as well uh we have uh advanced almost finished the ilcrest uh, as you've seen we have achieved the cud uh and we're planning now to report that we can talk about our off-taker in Ilcrest, it's Amazon. So pretty happy to have reached UD last quarter. And uh, we're only meeting uh, the substantial completion for the uh, construction will be met in the next few weeks. It's just a matter of finalizing all the tests on site. Uh, but the, uh, the production uh, is at full capacity. We are uh, just finalizing all the remaining uh, small tasks and the punch list uh, with the contractor. United Construction has uh, started again. We have received the first uh, delivery uh, by boat for the uh, supplies for the, uh, the summer, so things are going well. We're still uh, for, uh, forecasting the uh, uh, COD for the uh, late uh, Q4 of uh, next year. 
Also, Tonnerre, uh, the 9 megawatt uh, storage in France, uh, our first, uh, I would say, our first uh, commercial activities with Evlo, uh, the subsidiary of Vital Quebec, uh, is advancing very well. We have received the first container in France, uh, and we're forecasting the uh, on-service date uh, late uh, Q4 and potentially uh, the first week of uh, January. So things are going well on that uh, aspect as well. Development activities, we've been very busy. Uh, we have advanced the uh, Hawaii, uh, Hawaii project. Uh, construction should start uh, fairly soon in Haile uh, uh, Kauai. Uh, PIU also later on uh, this year we should uh, we should start construction, and the two other Canada barber points are advancing uh, pretty well. The uh, people, even if we had uh, some restriction with COVID, uh, the activities around the permitting have been uh, going uh, pretty well. Development activities, uh, we're glad to report that uh, actually we've been talking about it for a long time. Uh, we just received our first construction permit for the Bois-Rigny. It's our first uh, fully developed uh, project from our team, so pretty happy to see this. Uh, that's the first. Uh, we've been talking about it for quite a bit. Uh, remember that France uh, Greenfield projects are a long uh, process. It can take uh, roughly five, five to six years to develop. So this is uh, the first of hopefully uh, a regular uh, flow of uh, project that will be uh, coming out from our perspective and, and uh, development activities in France. Also, we have LASNE. It's a 9 megawatt uh, that has uh, signed a PPA, but we only own 25%. Nonetheless, it's great to see uh, France advancing and delivering uh, these type of projects. So the idea there is to get one or two of these projects per year and also uh, activities uh, around solar development has picked up and we have made some good uh, um, advancement also on that front. So pretty happy with what's going on in France. Uh, not a, a big uh, market in the sense that the projects are fairly small in France, but uh, they will be steadily now coming uh, from this uh, pipeline as we were expecting. Uh, Frontera in Chile has been uh, fairly uh, slow activities in a sense that we have all the permit, if you remember, for Frontera. We are now uh, concentrating our development in San Carlos, which is another hydro facility uh, just upstream uh, from Frontera on the same river. Uh, San Carlos, as we mentioned a little bit uh, in the past, has this great advantage of uh, potentially having a five hours uh, storage uh, capacity, which is great. If you remember, Chile uh, is a, a market where we will see a lot of solar. And when you're talking about solar, uh, obviously the evening and uh, night um, uh, hours uh, of the day are um, interesting in the sense that usually you see some uh, more uh, pricing uh, in these type of, uh, of the day. So we think that uh, having a capacity just like LICAN has a three and a half, three and a half to four hours capacity is a great tool to play in that market. Uh, also, very interesting to see that the price, as I mentioned, is coming up, uh, especially for a, a uh, off-taker and, and uh, 
uh, in the spot market is also uh, quite active. And we're seeing more and more um, interest in uh, these two projects. So we're confident that uh, uh, we will be able to reach an agreement eventually to sign PPA that would be supporting the uh, decision to start the construction on Pont uh, Frontera and eventually St. Calais. Uh, on prospective uh, project, uh, also, as you know, we have uh, been busy in the U.S. quite a bit. Uh, we have now uh, been selected for our project, uh, Boswell. It's a 330-megawatt wind project. Um, I think that uh, we were perhaps not so clear at, uh, when, we, uh, when we issued a, a press release uh, we've been selected, final selection to uh, sign the PPA, so there's no more uh, selection on, on, on the price. Uh, we've been selected for 30 years PPA. It's just that we have to sit down with them, negotiate the terms uh, in the PPA. Usually it takes a bit of time. Uh, we don't expect any big issue there. Uh, and then uh, Pacific uh, Corp has to go through the regular uh, regular uh, regular um, uh, PUC approval uh, that should should uh, go through uh, by the uh, middle of the year uh, next year, and so we could uh, be uh, building uh, Boswell sometimes uh, in Q. We could start construction in Q4 2022 uh, or in 2023. So pretty uh, pretty happy on uh, on that aspect. Also, Palomino, we have uh, been advancing. Uh, we have had a lot of uh, public meetings on Palomino. Things are going uh, pretty good. Uh, we have also uh, advanced our term sheet with two uh, off-taker uh, for that project as well. So uh, on, this, uh, on the side of the U.S., uh, things are advancing very well. We also have been advancing other projects, earlier stage uh, projects, for solar and uh, wind in the, in the U.S. as well. And of course, uh, getting ready for the future RFP in Quebec. Uh, the uh, announcement was made and we're getting ready uh, to be in a position to submit uh, some project uh, in that RFP. Uh, on, on, on a general more comment, I, I would say that um, you know we've been seeing some extreme event uh, lately from the E-Dome in the West, uh, forest fire in the West. Uh, you've seen also the big freeze in Texas, uh, more flooding in the north part of uh, Europe and Asia. I think that uh, all these uh, events are showing that uh, we're definitely seeing some uh, global warming effect. And I would say that Energex has never been focused uh, more into trying to participate uh, to solve this uh, problem or to reduce the fossil fuel uh, used in producing electricity. Um, it's, it, it's sad to see these, uh, these things and obviously we, we have uh, a human part of uh, these, uh, these events that, uh, that we are seeing all uh, in the news, but we're definitely uh, seeing a great potential for us to take advantage of uh, the new uh, government um, uh, incentive in order to have uh, the fossil fuel being reduced uh, to produce electricity and Energex will be there to meet uh, these challenges. So on this, um, I would open up the question floor. Thank you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you have a question, please press the star followed by the one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a tone acknowledge in your request. Your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Please ensure you leave the handset if you are using a speakerphone before pressing any keys. Your first question comes from Sean Stewart with TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, Good morning. Michelle, you, you, you touched on the, um, the RFPs uh, coming in, in Quebec, and I'm hoping you can give us some more context on the scale of projects you might anticipate submitting to that process as it evolves in the, uh, the coming months. Well, the, the RFP is not that big, uh, so obviously uh, project in, in Quebec, we have project uh, uh, starting from just uh, uh, an addition to our existing one, so those can be 25 to 50 megawatts, and we have project up to 300, 400 megawatts that we can, uh, we, we can work in uh, and submit to these. Uh, so. As you know, we don't like to talk too much about our strategy when we are getting prepared for uh, RFPs. But the, I, I think that the, the very positive uh, aspect is that Hydro-Quebec and the government are saying that uh, this is the first of hopefully many more RFPs in the future. So we're very positive that uh, at the end of the day, some of our project will be able to, uh, to, uh, to win in, the, uh, in these future RFPs. Thanks for that. And you also addressed uh, Griffin Trail, and it, you, you touched on opportunities to augment the, the revenue stream um, and, and supplement the, the merchant exposure. And uh, we're, we're just wondering, how comfortable are you going ahead with merchant exposure short-term? Um, how could we think about potentially changing uh, the, the the revenue stream for that project. What what time frame might that evolve? How hard are you working on on supplementing that um, that merchant exposure? Well, we as you know, uh, Sean, we we now have a uh, a team uh, that can market and be more proactive, uh, looking for uh, PPA. Uh, so we're seeing definitely more and more uh, corporate America. Uh, desire to 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 sign long-term PPA. We uh, Texas is a little bit of a of a particular market, as we all know. Uh, so, but uh, we are more confident that uh, price for long-term PPA are getting more, um, I would say, attractive for for us. Remember that um, one of the reason why we uh, we went. Uh, uh, merchant in this case is that um, giving the PTC and, and the volume of new projects that were developed in, uh, in, in that area, long-term PPA were offered around $13 per megawatt hour. Um, so, I mean, it's a little bit hard to commit on, on that type of, uh, of PPA knowing that on an average the merchant is giving you a lot more than that. So as long as we could find some some good pricing and and uh, and that we can make sense of uh, of a PPA, we would definitely be looking. Um, and again, we will be looking for a as produced PPA. We don't want to get into a situation where we have to deliver and not be producing, and hence being 
forced to cover ourselves on the on the market. So that's why we are more comfortable um, right now uh, to own Griffin Trail on a merchant basis. But definitely, if we can find an attractive uh, level of PPA, we would be, uh, uh, of course, happy to to uh, to engage in such a PPA. Thanks. And one last quick one for me, and and I don't like to focus on quarterly hydrology, but uh, it seems it's an extreme summer in, in BC and, and beyond the the transmission um, issues that should be covered by insurance. Can you speak to how hydrology is is trending in the uh, in the third quarter relative to, to LTA? Yeah, well, July was was fairly good, uh, but August is the driest uh, the driest month in in BC, and we've seen uh, the super uh, heat um, that we have experienced in uh, end of June and beginning of July have melted uh, a lot of the of the low altitude uh, snow. So um, I guess that uh, August is looking a little bit dry in in BC. Uh, for the uh, for the next few weeks, uh, the forecast for rain is not that great either. So um, I, I would I would think that probably August will be uh, uh, lower than our long-term forecast for BC. Okay, uh, thanks very much for the the detail. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Nelson Ng with RBC Capital Markets. Nelson, go ahead. Great, thanks. Um, I just want to hi. Good morning. I just want to follow up on Sean's question in terms of uh, merchant exposure. Um, so the uh, last acquisition, the 18 megawatt hydro facility in Chile, is like that's fully merchant, right? And then um, Energy Alama, those assets are now merchant as well. Is that right? They're not merchant. No, Dukeko still have some contract uh, until uh, 2022. Uh, Lican is fully merchant, but uh, what we want to do in, um, in in Chile is to build up a, a portfolio where we can uh, rely on a few uh, assets in order to sign long-term PPA. There's always possibility in Chile uh, to uh, sign uh, off-taker in a range of uh, four, six, seven, eight years. Uh, there's always on a weekly basis some uh, small RFPs um, that are, are happening. Uh, price right now are around $40, $42, $43 per megawatt hour for these um, these two, three, four, five years uh, PPA. We think that it's a little bit uh, weak, and we think that uh, the market will improve. And we're waiting uh, for the good opportunity to sign uh, some uh, some long-term PPA, well, long-term five to ten years PPA. Um, I'm not that concerned about um, this possibility. The, if we uh, if we really want to sign PPA, there is PPA available in Chile. It's just that, again, I think that uh, we want to be patient. The uh, the coal uh, facility uh, will be. Um, will be taken out, and we have seen this summer the effect of uh, one uh, decommissioning of uh, coal, and the difficulties also to receive LNG uh, has created a really uh, hot market uh, this summer, uh, well, their winter <laughs> in, in Chile, and, uh, you know, we've seen pricing over uh, price uh, over $100 per megawatt hour. 
So we think that eventually uh, Chile uh, will see their uh, PPA uh, pricing to come up. And like I said, uh, we will be willing to sign PPA when we think they are attractive. And I think that uh, 45 to $55 per megawatt hour is probably a good level uh, for Chile. Okay, so so you're going to put a, a, like several merchant facilities together, and then market it together as a I guess a more stable energy yeah. source. To okay, got it. Um, and then just a quick question on the uh, last acquisition, the 18 megawatt is it Lican uh, hydro yeah. facility? Can you give a bit of background on, on that sales process? Like, was was it a distressed asset or was it a like competitor process. The, the reason I ask is I know you assumed very uh, a very conservative power price, but using the $35 power price, I think the debt, the implied debt is about like 11 times EBITDA. And I think uh, the press release indicated that some of the purchase price went to pay down debt. So I just want to try to understand um, some background on the sales process. Well, the cell the was uh, um, it, it was some uh, some some I would say friend from uh, from uh, from uh, AIMA uh, management. So we were able to have a direct negotiation with them. Um, it seems well when you look at the the, uh, the next couple of years, it seems to be expensive. Although um, we could have chosen to show you numbers with with fifty five or sixty dollar per megawatt hour, then you would have seen a more regular uh, and reasonable multiple. It's just that uh, when we made this acquisition, we were very conservative in the next uh, few years. If you look at the uh, the curve in in Chile, um, the power curve, the power pricing are showing uh, the next four years to be weak because some of the Old, uh, not old, but uh, prior uh, RFPs um, have uh, are, or are going to uh, be put in in COD. Uh, but I think uh, some of those projects won't, won't be built, and I I don't think uh, these um, these pricing will uh, will be uh, reflecting the uh, the actual market. Um, we. Like I said, we we rather be conservative in in the numbers we are giving you, and it's not a big acquisition, of course, uh, but uh, it's a great small, uh, uh, almost brand new uh, asset, very well built in a region a little bit souther than uh, than our existing facility. So I think uh, when we have the ability to acquire hydro at a reasonable pricing, um, with uh, a good uh, a good uh, a good design and and well built. Um, I think that uh, we, uh, yeah, we were going to to act on it uh, in Chile also, which is great. Uh, you own the facility, you, meaning that you own the land. So these facilities are perpetual in in a sense that, uh, you know, as long as you are maintaining these hydro, they'll be lasting forever. Okay, that's great color. And then just one last question before I get back in the queue. Um, your investor day on September fifteenth. I don't remember the last time you had an investor day. This might be the one, the first, or, or that, what we had. That would be that would be a first. <laughs> your memory, your memory is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think back to see if you had had one previously, no. but yeah. So this is your first investor day. 
yeah. so should we be expecting any kind of new announcements or is this more of an update on strategy? Could you just give some color on, on uh, what we should expect on, on the investor day? I think that we, we are going to deep down a little bit more on our, um, our development activities, the market we're working on. There's, there's not going to be a big, uh, a big announcement or, or change of strategy. It's just that uh, we want to explain to you what we're doing, and I think that we have been investing a lot in our team to um, to build up our capacity to develop project and 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 grow our portfolio of development activities. Um, and and I personally, uh, I'm very very um, enthusiastic about the uh, the latest uh, development that we have reached. Uh, Boswell and, and Palomino are two good examples. Those are fairly big uh, projects. We're also advancing quite well in France. So I think that um, the message uh, there is to show you our strategy on and, and, and the amount of effort we're doing in the, in the development so that you could uh, understand a little bit more our growth and uh, reaffirming how uh, 2025 uh, financial guidance will be met. Yes. And also give uh, additional colors on our uh, ability to go even beyond the 2025 uh, guidance we provide due to the fact that we have Hydro-Québec here with us uh, working as a partner for the uh, the GV we have announced last year. So we'll give more color onto that. So, so that will be around the 2025 strat plan, a deeper dive on how we will uh, accomplish the plan, finance, and everything. So that, that should be around that and give a, a bit of a color on the potential upside with uh, Hydro-Québec. Okay, that's great. Thanks, everyone. I'll get back in the queue. Thank you. Your next question comes from Mark Jarvin with CIBC. Please go ahead. Thanks, good morning, everyone. Um, I want to go back to Chile and, and the question around the debt. Uh, you took some of it out on, on LICAM, but now that you own 100% of energy, uh, Yama, and, and this asset, is there a plan to um, re-optimize the debt? And, and if you do and you stay merchant for a while, like what's the appropriate leverage going forward? So maybe just a bit of color in terms of the debt financing plans in Chile for the time being. Well, for the time being, those uh, those two projects, uh, Dukeko and uh, well, the three projects that uh, uh, hydro facility have existing non-recourse debt uh, that are not necessarily optimal. Uh, so I think that uh, also in the uh, investor day, I think we'll uh, we'll give you a little bit of our view on on our ability to create a little bit more synergy uh, out of uh, these um, the existing debt and some other debt that we have uh, in our portfolio. I think that uh, it, it will be interesting to uh, to see a little bit of our strategy towards uh, uh, some of our um, mix of uh, project finance, corporate uh, level. So uh, I think that owning 100% of these will give us a little bit more flexibility uh, also in uh, in that aspect and uh, create a little bit more cash on cash uh, distribution out of these uh, existing facility. We're early innings into reorganizing Chile to, to, to make all that possible and we'll give more color in uh, mid-September and we should 
we should start to see some some synergies on our corporate structure uh, maybe 2022 and, and forward. So we'll provide more color in September. And until you re-optimize the debt, is Lycon, does that actually add positive free cash flow? Because the EBITDA projections, I know you're using conservative pricing, but if you took your pricing and, and the debt services, are you cash flow positive right now? Yes, we, we cover, yeah, we're slightly positive for the first five years we provide, but again, we're very conservative on the EBITDA for the first five years, so we see uh, on an average 10 years, it's much better. And, uh, but yes, with the current uh, debt structure and uh, amortization schedule, we're, we're free cash flow creative. There's also something also in, in Chile that uh, you guys have to remember. Uh, there is a, a, a good system where the uh, reward capacity, and in the case of, uh, of LECAN, we're receiving roughly 25% of the total revenue are coming from capacity payment. And I'm saying that also because it's creating also some opportunity for potential investment in batteries in Chile. Uh, recently, the uh, rules have been updated uh, to include uh, battery for full uh, recognition of uh, capacity contribution to the system. Um, there will be uh, a, well, the recognition will be uh, subject to a five uh, hours uh, capacity battery. Uh, in Chile for re receiving 100% of the uh, capacity uh, uh, payment. So that's going to create potentially some opportunity for us to mix uh, solar and battery in Chile in order to have, um, I would say, a, an access to this capacity payment and, of course, trying to uh, take advantage of the uh, arbitrage between solar hours and evening and uh, night uh, pricing. Right. Um, and I know you probably don't want to take a question on tech with Michelle, but I'm going to come back to it quickly on, on flat top and Shannon. Uh, I know the one option is a foreclosure. The other one is maybe the tax equity or the other partners buy you out. Is there a difference between either of those ones? I mean, now that you've taken the impairment, um, I mean, the hedge losses are pretty substantial. Is to try to help us understand that if it goes either the foreclosure route or the, I guess, asset sale or you share of your equity, is there any change in terms of our view of what the impact is? Yeah. No, Mark. I mean, I, I I doubt that foreclosure is an option for the tax equity and the, the and city. So this, I, I doubt that this is an option for now. So those assets are held for sale. So guys, only see what could happen from Shannon and Plattop as a bonus for us. Okay. So either foreclose or sell will not bring any more uh, write-offs or impairments or anything. So this is all done. So anything that can happen from the sales process is going to be a, a bonus uh, for us. So we don't want to provide more, unless, Michelle, you want to get into it, uh, we don't want to provide more color on the uh, outcome of the sales process. But uh, I would say my view is more likely to be, uh, you know, a sale or a consensual uh, handover, if you will, versus a foreclose, but that, that's our view, but no change, you know. Okay, and then, um, you know, a lot of questions around inflation and solar panel cost increases. Um, you did mention Hillcrest CapEx up a little bit. Is that is that from a cost increase on the supply chain, or is that just something specific? And you think about Palomino and, and the projects in Hawaii, where are you guys in terms of procuring things and trying to lock in prices at this point? 
That's a very good point. Ilcrest, not not necessarily. Some uh, some some costs were related to to uh, uh, accelerated um, means to deliver some some component, but not that much. It, I think it was uh, it was a little unfortunate because it's PCL, uh, a Canadian uh, contractor, big uh, Canadian contractor. Uh, was using also a, a Canadian subcontractor for for electrical component, and uh, they I would say that they they had some difficulties in managing the site from uh, from their perspective of using Canadian going into the U.S. While we had those restrictions, uh, and it created uh, a lot of inefficiency uh, throughout the um, uh, the construction period, and uh, just I guess. Uh, uh, very unfortunate to have seen that, but they 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 had to had also a lot of people, not necessarily uh, skilled people, and that might not have been the greatest strategy neither to complete this uh, facility because at one point they had more than 900 people on site. So all in all, uh, I would say that uh, we uh, were finalizing these um, negotiation with PCL, but uh, a lot of inefficiency is at the um, uh, at the bottom of uh, of this uh, increase, I I would say. And then, in terms of um, any pressure on cost increases for projects you're working on, in terms of your ability to pass that on to the PPA, or um, just you know where you guys are in terms of locking in prices on on some of the projects you want to complete in the next couple of years. We we're quite advanced uh, in in Hawaii, and we have updated our uh, our construction costs for uh, Hawaii. We're okay. I, I guess that the the worst uh, there is the transportation cost. We're hoping that uh, uh, we have an agreement with the uh, supplier to share some of the risk on the transportation. We're seeing uh, some, re some relief on on uh, on that aspect, and uh, most of the uh, component will ha will have to be delivered uh, in the first quarter uh, next year. So we're hoping that by that time. Uh, the pressure on transportation would have uh, uh, eased a little bit. Uh, other than that, it's not huge. Uh, I, I think that uh, we're still uh, in line with our uh, initial budget with some small increase. Uh, and for Boswell, as an example, or Palomino and all that stuff, uh, we have had uh, some update uh, before agreeing with the, uh, the PPA pricing. So I, I think we're in a, a good spot. Uh, on, on that aspect, we're not too exposed on uh, on these. Um, uh, I would say a increase in uh, in pricing, um, and for future RFP, if price of uh, equipment are um, are more expensive, we'll definitely adjust in, in the uh, PPA pricing that we will be submitting. That sounds good. I'm looking forward to the update in September. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. Your next question comes from Rupert Merer with National Bank. Please go ahead. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. In your disclosures, there's some discussion about curtailments on Ford City. Wondering if you can give us an update on what you're, you're seeing in Texas on curtailments. Uh, and what, what's the outlook for future curtailments, not just on, on Ford, but on the, the other projects, Griffin Trail and, uh, and Phoebe? Well, it's... Uh, it's a tough question. <laughs> uh, some uh, some curtailment are economic, or some, sometimes they, they can be related to some upgrades uh, on lines. 
in summertime, usually they, they don't work uh, on, uh, on the uh, transmission unless it's uh, an ur urgent uh, repair. Um, I would say that uh, we're seeing some curtailment, economic curtailment in Phoebe, but remember that Phoebe, we, um, we can, when does that, when, when this happens, we can buy on the market and, and then uh, deliver on, um, on, uh, on our obligation on the power hedge. Uh, usually when we have economic curtailment in, in Phoebe, it's because prices are below uh, zero and hence we can take advantage of buying at zero and selling at our uh, agreed uh, price under the power hedge. For uh, Griffin Trail and, and, and Ford, we're not expecting uh, too many curtailments. Uh, we're actually, we're seeing a little bit of improvement on the long-term uh, uh, basis in, uh, in terms of Griffin Trail. I think that they also, the last uh, crisis in Texas are putting a lot more uh, focused on uh, the reliability of, uh, of the system uh, of ERCOT and they, I think, are planning to upgrade uh, their um, uh, distribution system um, to, take a, you know, uh, to, to take into consideration the new um, build that is going on in Texas. But, Rupert, it's difficult to, to answer that question. We, we often of course, we are asking uh, some uh, expert to give us some guidance on, on those. We're using also our uh, new um, team to, that uh, specialize in trading to try to understand more what's going on in the, in the grid uh, in Texas. But we're hopeful that uh, over time uh, the, the grid will, uh, will get up the, uh, upgraded in order to take it, uh, advantage of their great natural resources. And um, no, we're, we're we're still positive about uh, these, um, I would say, basis uh, story in Texas. But it it's volatile. You know, it's a market that's uh, pretty volatile. Okay, great. Uh, thanks. And then um, getting back to to Phoebe, so you've settled the the contracts following the storms earlier this year. How do you yeah. you view the contracts that you have on Phoebe now and and the risk to that? project going forward well it's it's we, we've said it uh, we, we we didn't change our view we don't like these power hedges uh, they're not that easy to get rid of uh, we're working on it uh, we have to have also the blessing of the tax equity uh, which is sometimes a little bit of a challenge um, you know if we if we can uh, switch that at a reasonable price we will um, we're a little bit more comfortable knowing that we now have Griffin Trail on the, on the spot market. Uh, so we think it's a little bit of a natural hedge for us, not a perfect hedge because sometimes uh, wind and solar are not uh, match in terms of uh, natural resources. Uh, but we think we, uh, uh, we're better protected this way than, than before. And we settled uh, with uh, the hedge provider for Phoebe because we think there's still some value, economic value in Phoebe, so it made sense. Uh, we had more difficulty to find some economical value in uh, Shannon and Flatbill. Great, thanks. And can you remind me, how, how long are the, uh, the hedge contracts you have in Phoebe? How much longer uh, will they go uh, on? Good. The business edge uh, contract is ending this uh, December, 
But but the power the edge. Power hedge is uh, lasting a few more years. Well, nine, I think nine nine and a half years left, or. So we'll get. Uh, I'll get back yeah. to you uh, precisely on that, uh, Rupert. Or if we find the answer in, uh, during the meeting, we'll let you know. Very good. Thank you. I'll get back in the queue. Thanks. Thank you. Your next question comes from Ben San with BMO. Please go ahead. Hi. Thanks, Lamar. Uh, a couple of questions. Hi. Uh, BC wildfires. Is that impacting any of your other assets? No, not for the time being. Um, we're early in the season, uh, of course, but uh, our our crews are uh, working also to uh, uh, get prepared and try to clean up as much possible the uh, the uh, right of way to have the minimal uh, fuel around our transmission line. Um, but no, uh, the the fires are more present in the interior. And we, we most of our facility are more on the coast, where it's uh, a little bit more, it's less of an issue uh, these days. But uh, for you know, uh, we're early in the season, so I can't say that we wouldn't be uh, affected uh, anywhere else. But for the time being, there's no other uh, threat. Okay. And then going back to Texas, Shannon's laptop, if you. And up looking to to sell these assets, let's say that's the relatives. Would you consider adding other any other Texas assets in the mix, maybe to improve the sale price? I think it would be it would be difficult to do this. The the the, the um, in order to have, um, I would say, uh, to manage the uh, the timing and and the process, it would be difficult because. In the case of uh, Flatup and Shen, uh, we have to uh, go with the with the timeline of city, and uh, we don't want to get caught into being forced to a certain timeline that we would not control for another uh, cell uh, process. So, but I I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, uh, I would say how do we say that I would not um, say that. Uh, we we're not looking into or or be willing to sell some more assets in Texas in in, in the near future, um, but it would be very difficult to have the, those uh, while we're yeah. talking about uh, Shannon and Satan. Yes, and we do have uh, partners uh, also. Uh, we have partners in Shannon and Flattop. So if anything's happen, it's not going to be bundled. Uh, I don't I don't foresee that as a possibility. Okay, makes sense. Um, and you mentioned uh, Hydro Quebec in, in some of your, your commentary. Uh, could you maybe share any any sort of progress year to date on projects that you're looking at with with HQ? Anything you, you agreed on a lot, did not agree on? That did you pass on some projects? Any any additional cover would would be helpful. Well, I guess that uh, as we said, we the teams are starting to work very well together. And starting is not a good word because we've it been is, at it yeah. for a year and a half. But uh, it takes, of course, it takes a little bit of time, right, to to develop a, a good chemistry between two uh, two companies that are very different. Uh, I'm very very happy to uh, to see how. Uh, the evolution of uh, the strategy, the, the 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 way we have been working in uh, some due diligence uh, together, 
are very positive. Uh, I think that uh, the confidence between the team uh, are uh, getting you know, stronger and stronger, so we can rely on each other instead of sometimes doing uh, twice the same uh, due diligence. Sometimes that can happen when you have a partner. In this case, we, uh, we are working uh, very well in, in, in sharing some responsibility on uh, due diligence. So it's just a matter of time. I think that uh, we'll see some success out of these um, uh, efforts. Uh, and again, uh, very, very positive uh, relationship with, uh, with Hydro-Quebec in, in these processes. And also uh, looking into um, de deploying more battery uh, with them is uh, there's some, uh, some effort uh, also on, the, on that ground. Um, it just it sometimes it takes a little bit of time uh, before uh, we can uh, announce uh, uh, some some success. But I have no doubt that uh, seeing the team working so hard together uh, will be successful in uh, in the near term. Yeah, yeah. If I can add up, Ben, the process is well tuned right now. We've bid together three to four uh, process. Uh, we're aligning in interest and everything, so I fully agree with you, Michelle. I mean, it's, it's a matter of time, and uh, we still are, uh, both of us, disciplined uh, looking into this, so y you have to be, but I'm, I'm confident. Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Andrew Kuske with Credit Suisse. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning. Thank you. I think it's on page 20 of your presentation where you've got prospective projects by region. And, you know, those projects are really skewed to Canada at this point in time. And is that really a function of just legacy competitive positioning and comfort with the market? And then I guess the, the follow-up question really is, when do we see the larger markets like the U.S. And, and to a certain degree, Chile, where you've started to build quite a platform, become bigger elements of prospective projects? That's a very good point, and, uh, and you're right on. It's uh, it's a little bit of a legacy work that we have done in in, uh, in Canada. Uh, just in Quebec, we have uh, I guess thousands of megawatt in, in in wind resources that we have measured. We still have some uh, wind also in BC and some hydro in BC. So you're right. It, it's a little bit of a legacy effort uh, from the past, and. Um, you know, sometimes the, these projects doesn't cost that much to keep on, on our portfolio, and we're happy to have uh, kept some <laughs> some active uh, uh, or semi-active project in Quebec now that uh, the RFP are coming back. Um, but you but but you will see a lot more project uh, being developed in the United States. We're not. Uh, um, we have started in the United States in the last uh, two three years to be more and more active. So yes, you will uh, you will see uh, U.S. being a big driver for uh, future uh, prospective project. A uh, good example is is, is Boswell as an example, uh, uh, Palomino. But we're we're still developing. We have this strategy to grow in solar in uh, in the states and and also some wind. Uh, you, you, you'll see numbers coming up uh, soon, uh, Andrew. And in Chile, um, prospective project, we we have some, uh, like I said, we have Frontera and we have uh, San Carlos working also on the possibility of uh, developing our own pipeline of uh, new projects, solar and uh, wind. 
but lately it has been, um, I, I would say in Chile, uh, a market where we could have acquired existing facility at the discount. Remember Salvador, uh, I wouldn't say that Lican is a, is a discount, but um, you know, building brand new uh, hydro facility uh, these days are, you know, costing anywhere between two and a half to three and a half million dollars per megawatt. Uh, so when you can acquire one fully permitted and in you know very good design uh, at the lower price than building a brand new one, we you know we 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 are taking advantage of these uh, these market right now in Chile. But that doesn't mean that we wouldn't be able to eventually develop our own pipeline of. Uh, uh, solar and uh, and wind that's, and batteries <laughs> and batteries I would say. Okay, that's helpful color and context. And and then maybe just a follow up. Do you see yourselves having a higher win rate if we're going to call it that on uh, processes in Canada versus those in the U.S. at this stage in time? And then when does that start to equalize? Well, um, wind definitely in Quebec, right? Uh, solar in solar in Quebec is. Well, I wouldn't say that we will not develop solar in Quebec in the in the near future, but definitely wind is less expensive to develop in Quebec, so definitely more wind in, in Quebec. The state would be probably half enough. Uh, it depends on uh, some of the opportunity, but we're working hard on uh, on trying to develop uh, solar. Um, in in uh, France, uh, it will be uh, wind. More wind, but actually we we're, we're making good uh, progress on solar in uh, in France as well. So you will see some uh, solar project uh, being developed in uh, in France, and in Chile it'll be a mix. Uh, I would say solar will be fairly easy to build uh, in uh, in in uh, Chile, but uh, solar without battery or without a a different uh, portfolio, i.e. wind and uh, and hydro. Just solar building solar uh, uh, by itself in Chile will be quite challenging economically. So solar will have to be embedded in a, a portfolio or match with uh, with some batteries. And uh, Chile has still some opportunity for developing some hydro, as we are mentioning. And we're always on the lookout uh, to acquire existing hydro if it makes sense uh, in terms of uh, economics. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Najib Aydoun with IA Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning. I just had a couple of questions on, on the M&A front to start off. Uh, I, I know you touched on this earlier, Michelle, but maybe you can provide us more details on, on really the thesis behind the recent acquisitions uh, in Chile. I mean, since you originally acquired the, the stake in, uh, in Energia Lima, uh, it's been really difficult getting some new projects off the ground. So, you know, in your view, what's really changed since 2018 that gives you uh, a lot more confidence on the outlook in Chile today? Yes. Uh, price. <laughs> price, price, price. Uh, I think that, um, and, and, the, and the driver uh, for better pricing in Chile is the decommissioning of coal. Um, Chile is working with uh, marginal cost and, and the operator of the, of the system uh, is managing uh, first the big hydro available, and then it was coal, and thereafter it was uh, natural gas and eventually diesel. So these were stacking in terms of marginal cost, and, and coal was very low. I think coal was in the range of 20, 
$20-$25 per megawatt hour. Uh, mind you that they were able to be profitable because they were receiving also the capacity uh, payment as recognition for their contribution to the system. Uh, so that's why it was, I guess, uh, uh, really, really low. One has to understand that Chile went from a energy crisis uh, following the natural gas uh, crisis with Argentina, where Argentina stopped uh, delivering natural gas to Chile. Then price went up to the to to the to the roof, you know, in the 150 to 200 megawatt. Some contracts were signed at uh, north of $100 per megawatt hour. So a lot of uh, projects were developed at that time, uh, given this uh, market signal. And it took a bit of time for the market to digest uh, all these uh, overbuilt, uh, I would say, following that crisis. Uh, remember that Salvador, we bought Salvador on that basis. Uh, Salvador was uh, in uh, in a foreclosure process with their bank, so, um, and it was a little bit of a legacy of uh, that uh, earlier uh, crisis where uh, the market signal gave uh, a lot of uh, uh, opportunity to renewable energy uh, developer to build the uh, facility. But uh, things have uh, evolved and uh, some LNG were uh, well built uh, and, 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 and coal continue to, uh, to, to be on the market. So the price from, I would say, five years ago uh, went uh, very high to low, 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 and I think we have hit the ground and price are now improving. So we have not developed uh, Canelo. Canelo was just a 12 megawatt. It could have been okay, but we decided not to focus on on Canelo and uh, and and go for uh, existing acquisition and and having more significant uh, investment in, in Chile. So I wouldn't I wouldn't say that uh, the management there were not good. They were great in developing hydro facility. Uh, Frontera is uh, fully permitted, and San Carlos is advancing very well. So I think that their ability uh, to actually bring uh, project to uh, final permitting and being uh, available for construction is great. Um, they were not focusing on wind or solar. That was the decision of the prior uh, uh, owner. Um, and why have they decided to sell? Is it uh, well? It was not their their um, I would say their uh, core business. They have a lot of other investment. Some uh, of uh, our uh, past partner had a lot of real estate exposure in Peru and uh, Chile and in, in other places in, in South America. And you understand that with the COVID, uh, these uh, these investments uh, suffered quite a bit. So I think that they had uh, other opportunity to deploy their, their capital. And that's why we, uh, we decided to uh, acquire them in a sense that we want to continue developing. And it was becoming a little bit more difficult to have the common uh, view and common strategy on growth uh, for Chile. So I'm, I'm, you know, the, the guys uh, in Chile, the management in Chile, have the, had some, I, I would say, some limitation in their ability to grow. Uh, with us, I think that uh, we will unlock their uh, full potential, and uh, you will see some uh, some more activities in, in Chile that uh, will show that uh, uh, they have a great, um, uh, the, the great uh, uh, ability, 
and supported with our own uh, team here in, uh, in in Montreal, I think we can uh, we can do great things. Okay, that's a fantastic color. Thank you for that. And you mentioned South America is a good segue to my, my other question on M&A. I, I think in the press release for the Energy Lima acquisition, you talked about having ambitions, I guess, to expand further into Latin America. Is that is that something uh, you're looking at closely today, uh, and uh, what will be kind of the approach to uh, entering a new market there? Well, we 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 like Chile. Uh, Latin America is complicated. Uh, Peru, we've seen what's happening in Peru. Uh, so, Peru uh, was always a, a a country where we wanted to uh, to deploy some capital. Um, I think we we can take a little bit of a pause and and look uh, maybe in a, in a few months what's uh, what will be the outcome of the uh, existing uh, political I wouldn't say crisis but the, the event uh, Chile on the other end I think will uh, will come out from uh, the renegotiation of the constitution. Uh, in a good shape, we'll see some the present uh, the presidential uh, the present the election for the new president in the fall. Um, I think that uh, it will be something centered left probably uh, who will uh, win, which is a good thing. I, uh, we've seen some uh, government in the past uh, center center left that has done great for the economy. I think that uh, it would be even better to have. A center to center left government to um, oversee the uh, new discussion around the um, uh, the constitution. So we we feel very comfortable with the political um, uh, aspect in in Chile, and the economy of Chile is looking great. I mean, you've seen the price of copper these days. Uh, the we we understand that. Uh, the economy of Chile rely a lot on the copper, and uh, the future for the use of copper seems to be very bright, uh, given the uh, the fact that uh, electrification of transportation will consume a lot of uh, copper for the future. So I think that Chile is a great place. It's not a big market. Uh, we're going to uh, to have this um, this team on, on the ground, so it doesn't take that much uh, effort or uh, time from Montreal to uh, follow up smaller acquisition and, and to continue to develop on, on the Chile. It's just giving us another uh, platform to uh, to develop in another um, uh, market to uh, to grow. Okay, that's, uh, that's great detail. Thank you. The rest of my questions uh, have already been answered. Thank you. Thank you. Ms. Vachon, there are no further questions at this time. Thank you very much, and we look forward to seeing you at our first IR day in September. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you may now disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.